you please welcome Pastor Chris De La Cruz? Welcome him as he comes. Thank you, Pastor Larry. Thank you. I'd like to uh, also acknowledge his wife, Sonia, who has come with him. Sonia, would you please stand? Awesome. Chris serves as the pastor of the Mother Church in Pasig and executive pastor that serves and watches over and gives care to all of the Friends churches on three different islands there in the Philippines. Thanks for being here, brother. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I must tell you that I'm very, very honored to be right in front of you this morning. And I want to thank the Lord for this wonderful opportunity that he has given us to be here and join you in our worship to our wonderful Savior. And I also want to say thank you, Pastor Larry, for your generosity and this church generosity for bringing us here. It wouldn't be possible for us to come here. We're not wealthy, but because of your faithfulness to the Lord and your care for people worshiping the Lord, even in faraway places. We are here right now. So thank you very much. So this morning, I am privileged to speak to you about uh, the church at Laodicea. But before that, let me introduce my family to you. This is uh, the De La Cruz family. That's me and my wife. And we have four kids. Our eldest is Joshua over there. And next is our youngest, our only daughter. She's Esther. And our third son, is next to her is Daniel, and the last one is Paul Isaiah. So we are thankful to the Lord for giving us such a wonderful blessing, our four children. Next, shall we read the scripture together as we begin with our study of the Word of God? Our scripture today says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, Pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve it to put on your eyes, so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So continuing on with... Uh, the series of teachings that you've been having the past few weeks. Here we have the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to the people of Laodicea. The city was built approximately between 260 and 240 before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at one point, the city of Laodicea became uh, so prominent, so wealthy, that they say it became the, the foremost city of the time. 
And of course, the followers of our Lord Jesus Christ have been scattered after the great persecution in Jerusalem. Some of them reached this city and preached to the people. And here we are, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to John, sending this message to them. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, that the same message the Lord Jesus Christ gave to the people at Laodicea, it's the same message that each and every one ought to hear in our time, in our days. And so, talking to the church at Laodicea, Jesus referred to them as being lukewarm. It is a condition when one is not certain where he really stands, one who is neither passive about his or her Christian testimonies, nor passionate about them as well. Of all the wealth of this Laodicean church, they have this one shortcoming when the builders of this city decided to build the city and uh, far from water, which is a natural resources. Laodicea is situated in such a place where water does not flow naturally into the city. And so they needed to pump in uh, cool water from far away place. And when this water is pumped in to the city, before it reached the city, it's no longer cool water. It becomes lukewarm. And the same way, they would pump warm or hot water coming from Caesarea. But upon reaching the city of Laodicea, it will end up not hot anymore, but lukewarm. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is referring to something that is very common to the people at Laodicea. This is something that they clearly understand. Jesus Christ referring to them as being lukewarm. It is in this state of being lukewarm that a Christian sometimes finds himself, find himself or herself lost and without direction or purpose in the faith. One who keeps on coming inside the church, yet not conscious that his coming to church is in fact just a routine that has been established over time, but is not anymore something that he or she does passionately for the Lord. Now, lukewarm Christians are unproductive. They bear no fruit and experience no progress in their walk with Jesus. Lukewarm Christians never mature. And so Jesus has a message to a lukewarm church in Laodicea. I am about to spit you out of my mouth. That's what Jesus told the church at Laodicea. Now, these are tough words to hear from our Lord, but the same words may be the same words that we may hear from him if we too will find ourselves in the same predicament that the Laodicean believers found themselves into. Of course, we don't want to be in that kind of situations. Amen? Jesus wants us, his followers, to become productive, to mature, and be passionate with our love for him. And so it begs to ask, how does one keep himself passionate, productive, and maturing follower of our Lord Jesus Christ? And our scripture gives us this four ideas, four thoughts that we need to keep in our hearts, that we may keep ourselves passionate, productive, and maturing followers of our Lord 
Jesus Christ. And so number one, examine your life wisely and truthfully. That's found in Revelations chapter 3, verses 14 to 16. You see, friends, the Laodicean believers, they thought they are doing well in their walk with the Lord because they were wealthy, and this wealth, they assume, is the affirmation of God's favor upon their lives. Well, that is not always the case. Well, of course, God does bless his people when God is pleased with us. Amen? And he showers us with all kinds of blessings, unimaginable, when he's pleased with us. But that is not always the case. So the, the Laodicean church, they thought they were okay simply because they are wealthy, simply because they are doing good in life. You see, when we examine our life, we must examine our life in the light of who Jesus is. Not in the light of who our neighbors are. Not in the light of who our sitmates in the church are. It's a common thing that when we look upon ourselves, we, look, we think of others and, see, and say, well, I'm not like him or her. Well, I think I'm better than him or her. Right? Now, we don't compare ourselves to others. We examine ourselves in the light of who Jesus is. Let me tell you a story about this notorious gangster who has a twin brother that he loves so much. He loves so much this brother. And unfortunately, uh, when they did rob a bank, his twin brother got killed in the chase. So he, he was very, very saddened. But he wanted to honor his brother very much so that he kidnapped a pastor and threatened the pastor. He asked the pastor to give a final words before the burial of the brother. And he's asking one thing for the pastor. I want you to honor my brother. And in the presence of all the people that are coming, I want you to tell them that my brother is holy. So it's a difficult situation for the pastor. Well, a lot of people were actually coming because these gangsters are really wealthy and they give money to all those people that are coming and expecting that the pastor will honor his brother. So the pastor says, you know what? I'm a servant of God and I cannot do that. I cannot do what you're asking. And the, the, the brother says, you know what, pastor? I'm not going to negotiate with you. You have to do as I say or else you know what will happen to you. So here they are in the uh, final, uh, uh, the final service before the uh, uh, laying down of the body of this, uh, brothers, of this brother who got killed. And the pastor had no choice but to go do it. So as the pastor was about to close the message, he referred to the uh, dead brother as like this. You see people here uh, in this congregation right now, this man lying before you today is such a horrible man. 
He has killed many. He's a criminal, a known criminal. And so here he is. But compared to his brother, who is seated before you right now, he is holy. <laughs> you see, that is exactly how many examine themselves in the light of who others are. But we must examine ourselves in the light of who God is, who Jesus is. And Jesus says, love your enemy. Amen? We love those that are lovable. That's natural instinct to us. We're happy to be around good people. But how about if we get uh, hurt by somebody? Are we still quick to embrace, to give words of kindness? Well, Jesus showed us the way. While hanging on the cross about to die, Jesus gave forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. That's who Jesus is. And that's who we ought to become, just like our Savior. Amen? Second, we examine our life in the light, going back again, of what the Scripture says about who you are. You have to examine yourself in the light of what the Scripture says about who you are. The Scripture says, apart from God, we are nothing. Is that right? Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, we are nothing. But with Him, we can do all things. And that's what we are children of God, creation of God, dependent to our loving God. So we move to the next point. Embrace the whole counsel of God tightly. And what does the counsel of God says to the Laodicean church? Can we go back again to the scripture? In our text, in verse 3, 18 to 19, it says there, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. That was the counsel Jesus gave to the church at Laodicea. Now, the Laodicean church, they have this, uh, they've been very prominent, or the Laodiceans, uh, the city of Laodicea became very prominent because of these two trades. One is the trade of uh, fine black wool that, that is only found in their city. And it was very, very prominent among the wealthy of their time. And they were also known for this uh, Phrygian powder or ointment, a salve, which is said to cure many eye diseases. And because of these trades, they, they, they earn many, uh, they earn so much so that they develop a more advanced banking system during their time. So that at one point, uh, according to some historians, when the big quake, perhaps the same quake that Dr. Chuck mentioned to you the previous Sunday, when this hit the city of Laodicea, unlike the, uh, Philippian, the city of Philippi, where they received help uh, 
from uh, Rome to rebuild the city, the city of Laodicea refused help from Rome. And they rebuilt the city on their own because they were wealthy. Now, Jesus is talking to them and telling them, only he is sufficient. And that's Jesus' words to us, that we must come to Jesus because he is sufficient to us. Amen po ba? Well, that's a Philippine expression. I'm sorry. Whenever I preach, I would say, Amen Puba. Can you say, Amen? It's like, Amen. And so, we must understand that only Jesus is able to fill our needs. Like this very famous uh, quote uh, attributed to Pascal, that there is this vacuum in the hearts of every man that only God can fill. And that is so true. Not wealth, not prestige, not even friends can fill this need because we are made to be with our Creator. Amen? And only Jesus can fill that, and He is sufficient. And the second counsel is to repent and rekindle your passion for Him. When we realize that we are moving far from God, all we need to do is turn back. And no matter how far we've gone from Him, it just takes one step back to get back to Him. Amen? Because like what our song says, even if we run, He follows. That's how faithful our Jesus is. Amen? He is so good to us. And so we need to repent, to turn back to Him. And we must rekindle our passion for Him. That is to be conscious that whenever we come to church, we are excited about worshiping Jesus. Of course, we are excited to meet our fellow believers, right? Well, we were very excited coming here. We are, because we know we will get to meet you. But more than that, we are most excited about worshiping God. Amen? And so whenever we are coming to church, we must have that consciousness that I'm coming to church to worship God. And I'm coming to church with my whole being. And this is my offering to Him. And when we offer our very lives to Him, whenever we come to church, it's a lot more easier to offer any other things. And let's move to the third point. And that is we nurture intimacy with Jesus. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says here, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Oftentimes we hear this passage uh, from people sharing the gospel to the uh, non-believers. We refer to as non-believers. But we must realize that these very words were given to 
followers of Jesus, to Christians at Laodicea. And this is a, this is a clear invitation of our Lord Jesus Christ for a more intimate relationship with Him. Yes, Jesus is our Savior. Yes, Jesus paid for our sins. And it's because of God's righteousness, Jesus' righteousness, that we are made righteous before our holy God. But we must realize that Jesus is living and He desires intimacy with us. And this is what we need as well. We need to nurture intimacy with Jesus. And that means we open the door of every quarter in our life for Him. When Jesus enters your heart, you have to be willing to open up everything. Well, when we look back on who Jesus is, the scripture says, He knew everything. He knows everything anyway, right? We cannot hide anything from Jesus. But He will not force Himself in. We must open ourselves to Him. And that's the only way for Him to minister to us, meet our needs. When we open every quarter, open the door of every quarter in our life to Him. Are you hurting? Are you having problem with trusting people because of some past experiences? Is there anything that you wish you're able to share to others? Kneel down before God. Bring it to the Lord in prayer. Open up to Him. Jesus is so much willing to come in and deal with whatever issues we have in our lives. And we must make our relationship with Him our utmost priority. Well, I'm glad you're all here. That means we understand that Sunday, this day, is the day of the Lord. He has given us six days, right? We do everything in those six days. But God asks only for one day. Isn't He so generous to us? And we ought to be generous to Him as well. And when we come to church, when we come to worship, we leave other things behind. We don't let anything distract us from our worship of our Lord Jesus Christ because our relationship with Him is our priority. And so fourth and last, trust His promises. Trust His promises. Revelations 3, 21 to 22. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, perhaps it's not like that. Uh, when we get to heaven, there's this huge throne where every one of us will be sitting beside Jesus Christ. No, I believe that's not what it meant. But it's an invitation 
a promise that the Lord Jesus Christ is giving us. That Jesus is able to give us rest. In the throne of Jesus, you will find rest there. Are you tired of work? Are you tired of some relationships? Are you tired of so many things, responsibilities in this life? Well, there is a promised rest. And Jesus is able to give that to us. I would remember my, as I was uh, meditating on this word, from time to time, uh, the picture of my grandfather uh, comes to mind. Early in the morning, he would rise up and take, cares of, uh, take care of, our, of his uh, field, planting trees. He loves to plant trees. Uh, uh, feeding the, uh, the chickens, pigs, backyard pigs. Uh, my grandfather do that. But uh, he would return back home probably uh, before sundown. And then he looked very tired by then, but he will sit in his rocking chair and just sit comfortably there until he would fall asleep. And my grandma would just wake him up and tell him, come on, it's dinner time. That's the picture I have with my uh, grandfather. And I see rest in him whenever he is seated on his rocking chair. And I say, that's the kind of rest that our Lord Jesus Christ is able to give us. And even more than that, because it also says here that we shall find satisfaction in the throne of Jesus Christ. Satisfaction. Nothing in this world can actually satisfy us. Right? No wonder people are building and building and building. One house is not enough. Right? One car is not enough. Sizes of houses are becoming bigger and bigger and bigger depending on their capability. So long as they have the money to build it, well, fine. But nothing will satisfy us in this world because only Jesus Christ can do that. And last, Rule with Jesus and find your glory there. When you're seated on the throne of Jesus, that invitation is an invitation to rule with him. Just like he said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, that if we died with him, we will also rise with him. And if we endure, then we will rule with him. And that's such a wonderful privilege to effect God's righteousness into this world. Amen? That's the promise of Jesus. And who is Jesus? He is the faithful, according to Revelations chapter 3, verse 14. And he is faithful to fulfill that promise. And so, brothers and sisters, as I conclude this message, remember, Jesus cares about you. 
He knows you more than anybody else in this room. Jesus knows you personally, and He cares about you. And He desires to have a genuine, intimate, and flourishing relationship with you. And so we examine our life closely and truthfully, embrace the whole counsel of God, nurture intimacy with Jesus, and finally trust His promises. Then you will become passionate, maturing follower of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as I close this message, I'd like to share with you a video presentation of the ministry that's been going on in the Philippines. About 15 years ago, your leadership here, Pastor Larry and the leadership of this church, decided to involve in world mission and assist, support a church in the Philippines called Philippine Evangelical Friends Church. And it's God's grace that I am now the senior pastor of this church. And I just want to present to you the things that are going on in the Philippines. Why? Because you are very, very much a part of everything that's happening there. And I want to say thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord.